0: Good morning, hope you guys are doing great, we're going to continue with our Kingdom Come series, we'll be in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 through 42, Matthew 5, 38 through 42, we'll get there here in just a minute. Um, Those of you that know that uh, I like to play pickleball, okay, I'm sorry that that is another illustration that I'm going to give you today. But I want you to know something that I truly believe that it is something that I love to do, but it is also my mission field, and I've had lots of opportunities to be on the gospel. Did that, did that transition go well? Okay. It's my mission field. I love to do it. Um, here, here's, here's what took place. It's July of 2020, and we'd been learning. We'd, we, Dana and I had just learned how to play pickleball. We were at Carpenter Park, and we were playing singles because we didn't know anybody else who had played yet. And so there was another uh, uh, father and son and I looked at Dana and I said, that guy is tall, like seven feet tall, like really tall. And, and they were playing singles, we were playing singles, there were only two courts. Dana and I are trying to figure this game out, we're playing, we're having fun, it's very hot. They said, hey, would you guys like to play us? We looked at each other and said, well, it's okay, we don't care if you just began, you're just beginners, let's play. So we said, oh, Sure. And I said, you want to split up, meaning you play with Dan, I, you know, because we're beginners. No, 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 you guys play together. we we'll play. Okay. So Dan and I are on the uh, one side of the court, and then they're on the other side of the court. The dad is six foot seven. This guy, CJ, is seven feet tall. I asked him. He's seven feet tall. I played basketball at Wilmington for Coach Kevin Keats. And then he moved to Rutgers, where he finished his career, and he played professionally in England, and he now plays professionally in Japan. Go. So we are best friends now. Um, so, uh, CJ, CJ was, I didn't know all that at the time, but we were sitting here playing and there was a play where at pickleball, you're at the net and it gets really fast. And when you're at the net, it's important for you to keep your paddle above your waist. But I didn't know that yet. And CJ saw the ball lofted up and he came across in only someone like, seven feet can do, and drilled the ball, and it hit me square in the face, right here. It knocked my glasses off. The lenses went every direction. And he said, hey, keep your paddle up. That's pickleball. And I'm, I'm stunned, and I'm sitting there like, oh my gosh, that is evil. Like, that's wrong. Why would you do that? And I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here, and I know you're wondering, what did you do? Like, did you get vengeance? Did you retaliate? Well, here's what it took place. I am trying to gather my manhood and my glasses at the same time. I pop the glasses in, and I jump over the net, and I grab Dana off of him because she was punched. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. She was actually kicking him. Anyway, okay, so true story did get hit in the face. Glasses did break. Manhood was on the ground. Dana did not take vengeance into her hands. But here's what takes place. Here's what takes place sometimes. What Jesus is talking about is there are some things that are not fair in life that are going to happen. And what he's begging you and I to do is he's saying, I want you to trust me that I'm gonna take care of that. I want you to trust me that I'm going to handle this for you even when you don't understand and even when it's not fair. Because Jesus took care of something that really wasn't fair to us. So we jump in to the Sermon on the Mount, again, we're continuing in here, and Jesus is describing to us, what does this kingdom look like? Well, what does it look like? And we've st- we're still in chapter 5, and so here's a summary of our teaching for today. Chapter 5, verses 38 through 42. Here's, here's what it is. It's Jesus is teaching his disciples how to respond when, re- when tempted to retaliate. Jesus is teaching his disciples, that's what we want to be, that's who we are, that's who we want to be, we want to be disciples, who are making disciples, we are a family of disciples, making disciples for our good and his glory, and so um, last week, Ryan, beautiful message about trust, being trustworthy, You know, we can we can we are we learn from a very young age for our no not to be no and for our yes not to be yes. You you know, we have the saying that, and I think Ryan was saying, let let us be trustworthy, but but we have a saying that we grow up with, and it's I cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my or then you look at someone, you say, Do you promise? And then they break the promise and they say, Oh, my fingers were crossed, my legs were crossed. You know, from a very young age. We learn to not be trustworthy, for our word not to be our word. And Jesus is saying the kingdom is based on followers of me, on disciples of me, whose yes is yes and no is no. Beautiful message last week about being trustworthy in God's kingdom. Then Jesus comes and he addresses the issue of retaliation. When someone does something wrong to you, what are you tempt, how are you tempted to respond? Retaliation, really, the definition based on Wikipedia is, is harming someone because they have harmed you. Harming someone because they've harmed you. Um, and, and so let's go ahead and jump into the text. What we realize here is that when it comes to vengeance and retaliation and all of those things that we are tempted to do, when we are truly wronged, Jesus wants us to know how we should respond, and that's what he's going to address in the text. So verse 38, here's what it says. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Familiar saying to them. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you, take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you. And do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. And I would just say, ouch. That hurt. That's like, ooh. Okay? So here's what Jesus is describing that he wants his kingdom to look like. And listen, it is for our good to operate like this. And so here's what he says. First of all, I don't want you to retaliate. There's going to be someone who is going to harm you, and I don't want you to give evil for evil. He says in there, um, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now listen, this was, an, this was a common saying they knew this. They knew what this meant. Jesus instituted the eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth in the legal system, and there is no opposition by Jesus in saying you shouldn't use it in the legal system. But here's what took place. The scribes had hijacked this and were taking this and and, and encouraging you to enforce it personally. That's not what Jesus is wanting the kingdom to be about. That's not what he wants it to be about. The goal of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth was to ensure fair and balanced judgment and sentences and allow the court systems to play out. What was taking place? is that people were taking this in their own hands. And it was, being da- it was dangerous. Romans 12, 17 says this. Do not repay evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. You see, when we sit there, we have to ask the question, are we going to replay evil for evil or, or, are we going to love our neighbor as ourselves? Are we, going to, are we going to respond in love or are we going to repay evil with evil? Because if we repay evil with evil, what are we doing? We're just on this cycle. We're no different than the world. And Jesus is saying, my kingdom is going to be different. You have the power of the living God that's living in you. And there's possibly some things that have been done wrong to you. And I want you to trust me that I'm gonna take care of that. It's in my hands. So he wants our word to be trusted, but in addition, he wants to be trusted by us to be able to handle those situations where we really don't understand. So he says, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Don't repay evil with evil. Then he comes up with four situations. Really comes up with about four situations that really can help us understand how to apply this. And of course it says, turn the other cheek. Now, listen, um, let me sit, read the verse to you. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, listen, I've tried to figure out how I could draw you a picture because Ryan has pictures of this. And so I came up with this. Um, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay. No, okay. Is that is that too early? Uh, okay. Listen, everybody in the in the here is thinking about this, and if you were not thinking about that, then you have been under a rock. come Come on, man. Where's Teresa? Okay. So here's here's what's my kids are so in shame right now. Do not retaliate against your dad. All right, so here's what takes place. If anybody slaps you on the right cheek, he says, turn to the other. If you are slapped on the right cheek, it means that, because most people are right-handed, it means you are backhanded, okay? Here's what he's trying to tell us right now. A slap, backhanded, was demonstrated in Old Testament times and against law that it was the highest form of insult. It wasn't necessarily used for injury, but it was mostly used for an insult. And in Matthew chapter 26, Matthew addresses this because our king was slapped on the right cheek, which would have been backhanded. And listen to me, he did not retaliate. So he's demonstrating to you, I'm not just telling you what to do. I'm not just telling you what to do. I'm showing you what's been done. He has not gone to the cross. He's not been betrayed. He's not gone before the high priest. He's not been mocked and made fun of. But he's encouraging them. This is what the kingdom looks like. There are people that are going to come and they are going to do things against you. I don't want you to repay violence with violence. I want you to trust me that I have this. Now, let's... Let's make something very, very clear. This is in no way suggesting that we should not protect ourselves. And let me make something even clearer. And this is in no way for us to say that if you were in an abusive relationship that you should stay. Listen, that is in no way endorsing that kind of a relationship to stay there and take that. That's not what it's saying. And if that's the case, we at Northwest want to help you. We want to help you. He's saying that there are some situations that are going, there's somebody, so let's not look at necessarily the slap, but it's an insult. They've insulted you. Then what are you doing? You're turning the other cheek. You're not repaying insult for insult that goes back and forth, back and forth. We get nowhere. God is not honored and relationships are fractured and we're not able to do what the scriptures teach, which is to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. And so that's what he's trying to get us to do, put us in real-life situations where these can take place. He then um, continues, and uh, he really, the issue here is, I want you to show love to your neighbor and I want you through the power of the spirit to put away all malice and wrath and anger. I want you to put that away That's what it says in Colossians chapter three. And revenge. Again, what is the issue here in regards to retaliation? The issue here is trusting in God. We're being trustworthy with our words. Now what we're doing is being trustworthy with our actions. We're allowing God to, to take care of that we're not taking it into our own hands yes we can defend ourselves then he goes down here and it's uh give him your shirt verse 40 and if anyone would sue you take your tunic and let him have your cloak as well so there's a situation here where he's saying hey there's there's a there's a lawsuit that's going on that's brought before you and he says hey if 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 anyone is suing you and 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 take your tunic then then i want you to give him your cloak and here's what that means what you were, how you were dressed at this time is you had a tunic which was underneath and your cloak was on the outside. Everybody, mostly, most everybody had several tunics and everybody had one cloak. Okay, so several tunics and one cloak. And so what would take place in an issue if you didn't have money, then you would give them your tunic because you had an extra one to give. If you were sued, it was like, okay, we want to solve this. We want to, we want to, we want to come to an agreement. I'll give you this tunic. And then Jesus comes in and says, hey, listen, what I want you to do is I want you to give them your cloak. What does that mean to them? Their cloak was their prized possession. It was literally inhumane for you to give up your cloak because your cloak functioned as your bed when you were out away from your home or your city. It was what you could lie down on, and it was also what you could wrap up in to keep warm. And so Jesus is coming here, and he's saying, hey, listen, give him your tunic, but I don't want you to give him your cloak. You're probably saying, what in the world is, how does that apply to us? Here's the reason, here's the way I think it applies to us. I think it applies to us, and that as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, as part as the kingdom living for him, honoring him, I think what he wants to teach us is I don't want you to hold too tightly to your possessions. Everything you have is mine. Everything you have is because of me. And many times what we do is we say, well, that's mine, well, that's mine, well, that's mine. No, ultimately, what I think he wants our hearts to say is, it is yours that you have given to me and trusted to me, but ultimately it is yours. And I believe the message that he's trying to communicate here by saying, "Hey, I want you to give your cloak, not just your tunic, but your cloak." I think he wants us to hold a, a loose grip on our possessions, so that we could be a witness in this community, because it could be that what we provide for someone could be could be the avenue, or could be the tool, or could be the resource that God uses for them to come to know him. And as my children, he's saying, in my kingdom, what I want you to do is, let's not have a firm grip on your possessions. Let's not have this, well, it's mine. Give it to me. Let it, let, I'm letting you have this, but let it be used for my glory so that someone might know me. So, what else does he go on and, uh, and say? The next thing he says is this I want you to go the extra mile. And, and a lot of us have heard these sayings for an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You know, go for him, go for the extra mile. And if he gives you, you, give him your tunic, but also give him your cloak. We've heard some of these sayings before. So then he goes and he says, Okay, I want you to go the extra mile. He says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. here's, Here's the situation that's going on in this one. Roman soldiers had legal rights to make civilians carry their luggage up to a mile. Which was slightly less than a mile in our time right now. Slightly less. And so the Roman soldiers could be walking and look at those that are Jewish and they would sit there and they would make you carry their luggage for a mile. They would interrupt what you were doing. They would interrupt your daily routine. And make you carry their luggage a mile. So Jesus is looking at him, and he's saying, If he wants you to carry it one mile, which you're already upset about, I want you to carry it too. I want you to carry it, too. This is, this is exactly what happened to Sirens of Serene. He was pulled off the side. He was given a tree. We know it by the name of a cross. And Siren of Serene was, was tasked by carrying the cross that Jesus was nailed to. I want you to go the extra mile. Well, what, what in the world does that mean to us? What is Jesus? Why do we go the extra mile? How do we apply that? I think here is the lesson that we need to learn. Is that not only do we hold loosely on our, on our possessions, I think what we do is we, we live generously with our time. We have space in the weeks and the days that we have to live for God's glory, and to be able to be interrupted even when it's inconvenient to help someone that's in need. I think that the the issue issue right here is, hey, I, I want you to go the extra mile. That's gonna take some time. You were working on this. You were having this project. You were doing this. What I need you to do is stop and recognize that this isn't an interruption But could it possibly be a divine interruption for someone that needs to be encouraged by the grace and love of God? Instead of getting frustrated and vengeful and retaliatory and all this, let's hold loosely to let's understand that there's time in our days where we can say, okay, I just won't get that done. I'm I'm going to provide an opportunity to listen, to pick up the phone, to call, to talk, to encourage, to cry with. I, I think that's, that's what he's saying. Are, are you gracious with your time? And do you recognize that your time and energy are the Lord's and he can use them as he sees fit? This is this fit. I wrote a statement here. Our time is not ours, it is the Lord's. And we must use it even to serve those who hurt and harm us. That's what he wants us to be about in the kingdom. All right, so the next one we have is in verse 42. This he says, I want, you to, I want you to be ready to help. So in verse 42, he says, hey, there's somebody that's coming to you and they're begging. Oh boy, what do we do? Give to the one who begs from you. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. So there are people who come and say, hey, can I borrow this? Or can I borrow, can I have this? I need some money. And, and sometimes we feel like, wow, um, everybody wants our monies. Those, those, those children in my house want my money and the government wants my money. And, and all of a sudden we look at that's my money. And, and Jesus is saying in the kingdom right now, I don't want you to retaliate and be rude and be vengeful. I want you to trust me that I'm going to provide for you in every single area of your life. And I want you to be generous with your money. What that does not mean is it does not mean we're going to be, um, we're not going to enable people. We're not going to enable. I worked at First Union Bank in college. First Union, first union, man, that's a long time ago. That bank's merged several times. It's different names. I don't even know what it is right now, but first union had two big buildings in downtown Charlotte. I was in college and I needed a job and I got a job in the, 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 um, got a job in the mail room. And this, this was before internet, okay? So we had to do inter-office mail and communication. So take it from the ground floor, take it up to the fifth floor, take it up to the seventh floor. And I was the mailman summer map Can you Oh all right So um so so I'm in the parking lot, and it was every single Monday through Friday, my job was 6 to 3.30, college student, get out of my car, walk four blocks, Had to clock in at 6 o'clock. Every single day, I had to walk through the homeless section of, the, of Charlotte. It was right there. I need some money. I need some money. And I would bring them food, and they didn't want food. And sometimes it made me grumpy because I didn't want to enable I wanted to help. And so here's what we have to do in these situations. We wanna be discerning, am I helping you or am I hurting you? But the scripture is teaching us right now that I want you to be available with your resources to give for my glory. We have an unbelievable share fund here at Northwest. And it's because you have given to that. And I celebrate your generosity in doing that. We've raised $1.9 million over a three-year period for the building that's going to be on that corner one day because of being generous. Here's a situation that people are coming to us, don't look like us, don't smell like us, come from a completely different background. And he's saying, I don't want you to hold your money too tightly that you're not available to help. I want that to be a mark of the kingdom. That's what he's saying. I think that's what he's really, really saying to us right there. Um, okay, so what are we, um, we going to do and how are we going to apply? How are we going to apply the message and what are we going to do with it? Um, I've got two things. I've got them on the screen for you. All said and done right here we take a look what does what do we do with this message when we walk away from it i think ultimately the first thing that we have to realize is that when people come to us there is a situation where we are insulted there is a situation where people need to borrow money there's a situation where they need stuff they need possessions they need to borrow things they need finances how are we to respond i think the first and foremost thing that we must realize is their greatest need is Jesus, and so is ours. Because what that does is it levels the playing field. Jesus loves, for God so loved the world, that's them and us, and we shouldn't be talking about them. And what takes place is we're able to have a relationship with them as opposed to be tempted to retaliate, be vengeful, hold back, judge. That's not what the king is talking about in Matthew chapter five, verses 38 to 42. That's not what he's talking about. I think ultimately what we wanna also see is that, and I've said this throughout the message, is trust God to handle these situations. I think ultimately what we wanna do More than anything in the world, and I take this from Ryan's message last week, was we want to be trustworthy in our words. And next, we want to trust God with these situations that he's going to give us discernment. We don't hold tightly to our stuff. But what we do is we say, God this situation is difficult. I'm not going to let it be a cycle of sin where I'm going to answer violence for violence or insult for insult or whatever the case may be. I, I'm, I'm literally going to rest and I'm going to trust you that you're going to handle this. You're going to give me discernment over who should I help. Am I enabling them or am I helping them? I'm not going to hold tightly to our time and our possessions because it can get just, really go sideways, and that's not what he wants the kingdom to be about. Back to CJ. CJ. Okay. I want to bring it home for you. And I want to make sure you hear this and see this. CJ hit me in the face with a pickleball and broke my glasses. Dana did not hurt him, kick him, or do any of that, let it be known. And neither did I. But for two and a half months, while he was here before he went to Japan, I got to sit with he and his girlfriend and talk to them about a relationship with Jesus. It of basketball in Japan, I think of Zane Hepburn in Japan, and I was like, I wonder if Zane Hepburn, who's his family goes to this church, he's from this church, he's living in Japan right now. I just wonder if he would ever run into CJ. He's in Japan. And we're playing, we're playing pickleball, and, and CJ looks up and he says, you know, um, Dana calls me babe a lot, okay? And um He looked and he says, hey, do you think, he asked his girlfriend, do you think one day, like 10 years from now, we'll be still calling each other babe? How do you guys still do that at 24 years? Come over here. Let's sit on this bleacher. And I want to tell you, I want it to be real to you to not lose an opportunity when someone does something against you that is not fair. And I want us to recognize their greatest need is Jesus. Keep that at the forefront of my mind. Don't let me forget it. Don't let me don't 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 let me miss this opportunity. God, I'm going to trust you for who I talk to, who I help and I'm I'm going to trust you in all of these situations. But at the end of the day, I don't want to ruin a bridge to the gospel. Help me not to do that. Help me not to do that. I'd love to sit there and tell you right now that CJ right there on the pickleball court gave his life to Jesus. What I'm telling you right now is I don't know what he did with what he heard. But I know that several times over a three-month, two-month period while he was still here, we got to just continue to text him, invite him to church, and be able to talk to him about Jesus. And it begins by not repaying evil for evil and trusting God that he's going to take care of things. That's what it looks like to live in the kingdom. Not holding tight to our possessions, but being a resource, our time. That's what I want our church to look like because that's what Jesus wants our church to look like. A family of disciples making disciples where we recognize that their greatest need is Jesus and we trust him in all areas, amen. I love you guys, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I love you and I thank you for this time that we've had here today. Lord, you have been giving us a very clear picture of the kingdom and what it looks like. Lord, everybody in this room has been wronged. And we've become impatient because you have not made it right, or so we think. So I pray today that today we would see you for who you are and for what you want. That we would trust you in these relationships. Lord, you have summarized really the You've summarized everything, the laws, by love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. So we as Northwest, I pray for us today that we would love our neighbors and love them well. We would not hold grudges. We would not take vengeance and retaliation into our own hands. That we would trust you to do what only you can do. God, you wake up dead people. You save people. You, you redeem people. You forgive people, we do not. What we do do is that we are able to talk to people about you. Help us to recognize that we are your children and we need you, but so does everyone else. Lord, we love you. We thank you for describing to us what this kingdom looks like. And we can't wait for you to come back. In Jesus' name, amen.